Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. Stacey Warden, CEO of the Algorand Foundation. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Thank you so much, Ash. I'm so I'm so psyched to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here to talk about all things Algorand. But first, let's take a quick look at the price action on the day. Uh, lots of green on the screen, always a happy thing. Bitcoin up on a 24-hour basis, 1.67% trading now on my screen at 27,330. Trailing seven-day basis up about 1%. Ethereum also up on the day and up on a trailing seven-day basis, trading on my screen, 1,857 right now, trailing 24 hours up 2.22%, trailing seven days up 2%. Algorand also up on the day, up about 1%. Uh, what you're seeing there, I think, in the outset is an initial chart. That's a 12-month chart. Uh, you can see it's declined about 60% in value over the trailing 12 months, uh, but up on the day now about one and a quarter percent. Stacey, it's great to have you on the show. So much to talk about. I know there's been a lot of buzz on social media about this in the Algorand community, lots of folks in the community watching the show. But for people who may not be familiar with Algorand, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, let's talk about the basics. What's the use case? What's the framework? How do you think about the importance of Algorand? Um, what I want to know is, are we up on the day because of the show? I mean, maybe you have this sort of magical power over 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 markets. I don't I don't know. But, Definitely uh, not. <laughs> um, so you know, Algorand was uh, famously founded by Sylvia McCauley, who is a Turing Award winner in cryptography uh, out of MIT, and he uh, invented a couple of things that were quite that are quite important for cryptography uh, more generally, and also the cryptocurrency ecosystem more generally. Uh, zero knowledge proofs, uh, verifiable random functions. These are a couple of the big ones. And so he, I think, watched this um, this ecosystem develop, and he thought I could probably build a pretty good blockchain myself. So we went live in 2019, and Algorand, at its core, I would say, is built for real world applications, and it's built to be able to scale. And so there are a couple of uh, components of that that I can take you through. Uh, First and most importantly, the consensus is reached through something called a Byzantine agreement. And that means that in the case of Algorand, after 3.7 seconds, consensus is reached on the block and the block is, is a final settlement. So there's no such thing as like in a Bitcoin or an Ethereum world where these, you know, there's a comp little bit of a competition between block forks and then, you know, the, the one that wins, the one that has the most work in the case of Bitcoin, the other, the other transactions fall off, go back into the ether and then are appended later. That, um, you know, uh, the argument is that that cannot work. And for real world applications, you cannot have the, that moment of uncertainty, even for a short period of time. And so 
on Algorand, when you're done, you're done. This is a very important uh, uh, component of the value proposition. Uh, so, so transaction and, finality after a single block. Yeah, transaction finality after a single block, exactly. And that block, when I started, it was at about uh, five and a half seconds, and now it's at 3.7 seconds, uh, full finality, yeah. In that, in that 3.7 seconds, three little rounds of consensus um, happen. I can explain how that works, but you're, you're done and done after 3.7 seconds. One of the interesting things about the consensus mechanism for me is the way that it works based on randomness, which I think is really fascinating, sort of randomly selecting uh, stakeholders uh, to come to consensus. Talk a little bit about that because I think it's a really interesting component of the technology. Yeah. So you are, uh, you're the, the amount of algos that you hold um, improves your chances of being selected as part of the consensus mechanism, but it doesn't guarantee it, right? So what you do is you, as, you, as a node, you run like a, a little, it's called a verifiable random function. It's like a little, you can think of it as a little slot machine. Um, and if you win, you're picked, like three pineapples come up and you're, you're the algos on your, your you know, you're the, weighted by the number of algos you have, you're picked. Um, and then a committee, and then the, the, a committee determines um, which of those that are picked has the lowest hash function, okay? And, and there's some physics involved in how long it needs to take a certain amount of time because all of the relay nodes have to get all of the transactions and you sort of, everybody has to have a chance. Then, then you go out to a committee again. So if you believe in statistics, what you're believing in here is the ability to sample across all of the nodes that participate. You sample to get the committee, another committee, um, verifies the work of the first committee. And then yet a third committee is picked to look inside the block and make sure that it has integrity so that there's no double spend and all that kind of stuff. And then that all happens in quick succession. Uh, after 3.7 seconds, you're done through this, through this sort of committee, three committee process. And then you move on to the next block. And it is so lightweight that uh, you are actually not paid currently for to participate in this consensus. So this makes us unique. Uh, from other kinds of blockchains. When I, you know, when we started, you could do all of this on a, like a Raspberry Pi. Now we're pretty performant, so we can do 6,000 transactions per second and the latency has gone down. So now you need a bit more of a, a higher end laptop uh, to do it, but it's nothing like the kind of um, enterprise grade hardware that's required for other uh, layer ones. So this is predicated on verifiable randomness, the idea that you can, in a, in a, in a way, uh, observe that these are, in fact, truly random selections. Talk a little bit about that process. It's such an important part of the security protocol uh, is dependent upon it. Yes, it's critical to the security protocol because you know it is unknowable, even to you, if you are going to be selected. And then once you are selected, it is deterministic what happens after that. So it's this combination of these two things. So the problem with proof of stake protocols typically is that, you know, the vector of attack is so well known. It's like attack that guy with the big stake, you know, and you can't, you don't have that in Algorand because it is unknown um, and unknowable who to, who to go after because you don't know if you're picked until after you're picked. Um, and this is our claim kind of to have solved the trilemma that Vitalik Buterin famously said that you can't have scalability, you can't have decentralization, scalability and security at the same time. And we believe that this consensus mechanism gives, mechanism gives you the decentralization because you're sampling from a large size, the security because of this verifiable random function and the scalability because the committees selected are small enough to be able to, uh, to do this quickly. So this is the way we sort of thread the needle between the three.
You know, wouldn't it be I interesting? Say me, I say, I mean, the brainiacs over it, over it uh, on the technology side, of course. <laughs> Talking about the brainiacs uh, on the technology side, one of the interesting things you mentioned uh, is the idea that Sylvia McCallie, of course, uh, very well known for creating zero knowledge proofs. But what's fascinating about that, I think, when people say uh, that he was the the uh, one of the co-creators of zero knowledge proofs, it almost sounds as though uh, he created them. Uh, you know, for with using modern computer science techniques uh, to facilitate this technology. That, in fact, is not the case. This is something that was done decades ago uh, in his early work as a mathematician, kind of on a pen uh, and pay, or pen, pen or pencil and paper basis. And it's fascinating to me that this theoretical work uh, that didn't seem to have, I'm sure at the time, much practical application is now at the core of this protocol. Right. And, you know, it the the way that the field has developed even in the last five years is is almost unmatched and in, in by other fields you know maybe ai can give it a run for its money but the idea that these uh, proofs have become more succinct uh and, and easier less uh meaning you know needing less computer hardware and also the way that these succinct proofs also now have a zero knowledge attachment to it and this i think is is going to be fundamental for the way forward for the industry as a whole uh not of course just for algorand so let's talk a little bit about your organization, uh, the Algorand Foundation, and its relationship to the governance uh, and the execution of day-to-day -day operations of the coin. Yeah, so the TLDR on it is that Algorand Inc., run by Silvio, it does all of the, the tech. They are based in Boston. They, they run the protocol. They care about uh, latency. They care about transactions per second. They care about the, under, the, the Algorand virtual machine. The foundation, which I have the privilege to run, uh, cares about the community, the ecosystem, the governance, the the tokenomics of the, uh, you know, we are about the care and feeding and growing of planet Algorand, I guess, is how you could, uh, how you could describe us. We're trying to make this, this, you know, we, we try to make planet Algorand have good infrastructure and roads and institutions, and we try to light it up so uh, everybody else in the interstellar community can find us, and uh, we try to make it a happy a place to live. It's very environmentally, the air quality is great because we have no uh, carbon footprint as well. Uh, water is clean. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By the way, talking about lighting it up, I'd like to invite our viewers and listeners to join this conversation in the chat wherever they are, uh, be it on the Real Vision platform or on YouTube. I know we've got some questions that are coming in uh, already. So please, if you're listening to this conversation and you have questions, uh, please jump in and ask. Listen, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, obviously, one of the questions that uh, is in the mind of the community of people out there uh, is what's happening right now uh, with the lawsuit with Bittrex. Uh, I should point out that uh, I don't believe uh, that Algorand is a direct party to this lawsuit. This is an SEC lawsuit against the uh, cryptocurrency exchange Bittrex. Uh, and the question, as it involves Algorand, which is, I believe, uh, the largest market cap coin named in that lawsuit, uh, is that Algorand is alleged to be a security by SEC. I know this is tricky because it's an ongoing legal question. What can you tell us about what's happening there? You know, not very much, actually. We really, we have no idea. It, it came as a surprise to us. You know, the Algorand Foundation, first of all, is not based in the United States. 
Uh, we don't issue algo in the United States ever. Uh, we don't believe that we are a U.S. A security under U.S. law. Um, we hope for regulatory clarity. I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, what more what more to say about it actually. But um, we uh, we were surprised as well. I will say, yeah. Yeah, it does feel like many people uh, in this space who want to be good actors feel like they're caught in limbo by the current absence of regulatory clarity. Uh, I know uh, Chair Gensler has said essentially, come on, come on in and register. Uh, there are folks who have raised significant challenges with that in the community about the appropriateness of the existing legal framework and laws uh, to address digital assets. Of course, uh, the securities laws in this country, the basis and framework uh, were developed in the 1930s. Uh, so here we are uh, some 80 years later trying to figure out how to how to deal with that situation. I also mentioned price at the top of the show. Uh, Algorand off about 60% on a trailing 12-month basis. Uh, following, generally speaking, the pattern that we've seen, uh, Bitcoin, for example, peaked in uh, to, in 2021, November of 2021, had a low uh, in November of 2022, uh, around the time of the FTX following uh, of the uh, FTX bankruptcy. Uh, Algorand following a somewhat similar pattern, peaked a bit earlier, but has been continually down about 60%, as I said. Give us a little bit of context on how you guys think about price? You know, we at the foundation, we don't think about price at all. It's a, it's a pretty easy uh, question to answer. You know, as I said, we are trying to make sure that the people that want to build on Algorand and we are having a, you know, a Cambrian explosion of builders on this ecosystem right now, I will say, we try to make sure that they have a good path to success. We are committed to decentralization, so we try to turn over increasingly amounts of decisions that the, that the foundation makes over to the community, over to our governors. We try to, you know, I'm about kind of excuse elimination, so we try to, for any reason that you wouldn't build on Algorand, we try to eliminate that reason. You know, one of the most important ones is developer tools, so we have put a lot of effort into developing a, a much better developer toolkit this year. Uh, making sure that um, you know things uh, that that we are available to protocols that we do a lot on education uh, that we we you know give the bear hug to our protocols even even in non-monetary ways. So those are the kinds of things that 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 we focus on. Um, we don't focus on the price at all, actually. So let me ask you this, Stacey, what do you worry about? What are your concerns when you look uh, at the ecosystem more broadly uh, and the specific implementation of Algorand? Uh, when I look at the Algorand ecosystem? Well, both uh, the broader cryptocurrency ecosystem. I know you express some concerns about an absence yeah. of regulatory clarity, but what are your chief concerns when you wake up in the morning? What do you worry about? Well, I, you know, I worry about, am I doing the best job I possibly can for my community, uh, you know, more specifically, but more broadly, which I think is more of the spirit of your question. I think the, um, the those of us that are building and are trying to use this technology, be it on Algorand or be it on Polygon or any of the other layer ones that are trying to do a serious job in this space, we worry about the, the fraudsters and the tricksters and those that cast a pall on everything that we are, that we builders are trying to do. Um, you know, it's, it would be an exaggeration to say that I wake up every morning worried about that, but when something blows up again, I think, ah, you know, here we go again, you know, let's just, uh, and so um, that's the kind of thing that I guess sometimes makes me a little nervous. But when I, but when I wake up in the morning, it's pretty, it's pretty heads down about what mm. do we need to do as the foundation? What do we need to do to help the, um, you know, help our community and help the protocols building on Algorand, you know, succeed? 
You mentioned the other layer ones, layer twos. How do you see that ecosystem? What do you see uh, the role for Algorand being in it? And how do you see it being differentiated in terms of specific use cases? Yeah, you know, again, I think Algorand is going to be there if you need to scale. So we, um, the Algorand virtual machine and the Teal-based machine language that it is built on, it is, it you know, your success will not be your demise. It will never be the case that your, you know, your NFT project blows up to such an extent that the that the fees on Algorand are more than the value of the NFT. It's not that kind of an ecosystem. It is built to scale, and so uh, you know our transaction fees are very low, our our carbon footprint is very low, and our latency is very short. So when you think about those things, you think about like who needs that. Well, a couple of different a couple of different use cases come to mind. One is micropayments. So if you're going to be in the business of micropayments, I'm talking about financial inclusion and remittances and that kind of thing, you can't have high transaction fees. I think about institution and particularly financial type implications where you cannot for one second have one scintilla of doubt about whether there are two forks on the chain. doesn't matter if it's going to go away in, a, in, in 10 minutes or five minutes, that's just too long. And so those kinds of applications lend themselves to building on Algorand. The creator economy is another one. Musicians and NFT artists and that kind of thing, you know, kind of lends itself to Algorand because again, the fees are low and the carbon footprint is quite low. And we have had people, you know, come to us simply because they understand that we're that we're green uh, by you know by by the design of our consensus mechanism. So we try to follow where we think we have a good where we have good niches. You know. Yeah, you mentioned financial inclusivity. What does that term mean to you? It's something that's often used uh, to talk about the unbanked here, whether in the developed world or in emerging markets. How do you think about financial inclusivity, and how do you think about the potential global footprint of Algorand? Yeah, I think of financial inclusivity inclusivity as having a couple of different components. One is identity, and I will say that identity is bedrock. And the three, you know, components of identity are the ability to, in a Web three context, and again, it's you know e easy on Algorand to do this, but it applies to Web three more broadly. the The idea that you can marshal credentials to establish your identity, particularly if you live in a country where you don't have social security numbers and easy kind of forms of government ID, that you can craft and create an identity for yourself based on credentialism is just a, it's a life-changing um, uh, 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 implementation. And then closely related to that is the idea that you can use data about yourself as, um, as collateral for you to, to borrow again, so that you can just, you can, you can exhibit good behavior, understand that that good behavior is not tampered with by you because it's on a blockchain and that you can use that to, to access the financial system in ways that you couldn't before. You're not collateralizing, say, like a tractor in your field, you're collateralizing things about yourself. And this is a, a potentially a game changer. And then the third piece on identity is the idea that you can marshal only the pieces of your identity that are relevant. You don't have to say everything that you you want to say about yourself, you need to say about yourself. The second piece of that is this ability to make micropayments that I talked about before. Uh, and the third piece of that is uh, programmable money. The idea that you can you know, disintermediate some of the, the middleman and you can send uh, payments based on if-then statements. Well, your audience knows what programmable money is, but I think those are the, those are the three core components of, of financial inclusion. Not to mention the fact that you know, it's always on 24 seven. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, we've got lots of questions coming in from our audience. Probably not a surprise given the uptake this has gotten on Twitter. Uh, first question comes to us from Peter on the Real Vision website. Uh, what lessons have been learned by the Algorand team regarding the recent MyAlgo attack? Yeah, so you know, uh, MyAlgo was a uh, an important web based, the, the most important web based wallet on Algorand, and it was hacked in uh, a few months ago, and it was hacked kind of, you know a way that started with big wallets and then trickled down to smaller wallets over the, um, you know, over the course of a couple of months. And it was pretty, I would say, devastating to, uh, to the ecosystem. You know, it, it affected a lot of people. It affected a lot of people at the foundation, a lot of, a lot of protocols, a lot of individuals. Uh, we, uh, funded a, you know, we at the foundation, you know, uh, the MyAlgo uh, wallet is not related to the foundation. We did give it a grant to get going in the beginning, but we then uh, funded uh, forensics uh, to to try to find out what's going on. We have turned everything over to the FBI. Um, they are showing indications that they're working on it. Um, they have a uh, some kind of a theory of the case of what happened, but it it, it was a it was a terrible. I mean. I don't know how anybody could could do something like that. A little bit of a technical glitch there, but we were able to get Stacey back. Joining us from your cell phone, uh, thank you so much for coming back. We appreciate it. Um, I was asking you this question about the relationship uh, between uh, the foundation and some of the ancillary technology around it. Uh, the challenge here is you have a core protocol that has not been hacked, but a wallet that has. How do you think about that relationship uh, between uh, the wallets, which are obviously such a critical part of interacting with the protocol, the protocol itself, and the governance around the protocol? Well, the thing I'm thinking right now is like, did that guy just hack into this call because I because I said something about it, you know, I mean, it's just a very sort of scary level of timing, I think. Um, Probably you know, pure I think, serendipity. <laughs> um, I think in the beginning, everybody, I cannot tell you how many protocols have the word algo in them when they are built. And I think that was a, a thought, you know, a marketing strategy in the beginning, everybody put an algo, the letters lend themselves to use in longer words. So like, there's just algo everything. And I think that's probably, a bit confusing, you know, maybe to 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 folks, but the protocol is the protocol. It's never been down for a second. The foundation doesn't run any uh, protocols per se. We fund and we support and we encourage and we um, help incubate um, uh, protocols building on Algorand. And um, you know, that's the that's the relationship. Of course, they all go through audits. Uh, my algo in particular was audited, you know, any one of a number of times. Um, so, you know, it's it's decentralized, right? We don't, we don't, you know, we don't have direct influence over that kind of stuff. Yeah, that question came to us from Peter on the Real Vision website. Next question from Martinez on the Real Vision website. Are there any lessons learned from interactions with U.S. regulatory agencies? Boy, what an interesting question. Well, you know, I maybe I will, I'd like to stick up for uh, some regulatory, uh, you know, folks in the United States. There are some really good, very forward-thinking regulators in the United States. I mean, if you look at in the CFTC, there's Caroline Pham, Commissioner Pham. There's also Hester Peirce at the at the SEC. There's at the um, in New York. There's Adrian Harris at the New York Department of Financial Services. Ash, I don't know. They're they're all women. I'm not I'm not sure if you know there's a correlation there or not. But I'm just you know I'm just throwing it out there as you know maybe maybe something to think about. Um, so you know I think that we are 
you know, kind of finding our way through um, in the United States. I think there's a lot of been a great, lot of great um, leadership coming out of with, with Amica in, um, in Europe. The UAE is also very forward thinking. Singapore and the, and the UK has done some interesting things. But I think, um, you know, in addition to that, some of the, some of the uh, talk around securities has also taken some of the attention away from other things that are pretty important going on in a kind of, you know, not quite, I guess, um, fully regulatory, but also kind of in finance and, and tax treatment. And, you know, are these going to be, um, you know, uh, considered long-lived intangible assets, right, that need to be impaired versus whether they can be marked to market if they're property, if it's intangible property, can you, you know, mark value, higher valuations as well as lower valuations? How is the BIS going to treat the risk weighting around these things? Are you going to be able to um, have stable coins in your balance sheet as cash and cash equivalent, right? Um, you know, these kinds of things are all, there's a myriad of issues that this broad ecosystem is trying to find its way through, not just this, uh, you know, more um, limited question about securities, I would say. Hey, everyone, we're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Yeah, there's just so many open questions that face the entire ecosystem right now from a legal, regulatory, legislative and compliance standpoint. Uh, and we're retrofitting uh, these technologies that are very new, incredibly cutting edge uh, into uh, a legal and regulatory framework that's 80 years old. Obviously, there are bound to be some challenges there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's hard, right? It's like everything is so new. It's, it's hard. I, you know. Here's a question from Ralph on the Real Vision website, who always comes up with uh, great questions to ask. Can Stacy discuss the work that Algorand has been doing with SIAE? Uh, this was a story that broke, uh, I guess, uh, in March. I didn't really understand it. This is a copyright agency in Italy. Talk a little bit about what that story is all about. Yeah, this, I don't know a ton about this. This is the artist's, um, the artist's, uh, um, um, a registry, registry of artists. And uh, they, they because, you know, Silvio's is Italian, they have put the the copyright, this is my understanding, the copyright for, for artists on, um, through this registry on the Algorand blockchain. It was one of the very, it was early, before I came, and it was one of the very early partnerships that Algorand had. So, so many questions coming in right now. Here's one from YouTube. I saw in the past week that Algorand Labs, as the entity that created, was involved in a Bank of Italy deal. What is Algorand Labs, and can you talk about that deal, Brian Penley? Right. On and okay, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. And the um, the uh, Bank of Italy has issued a prize, uh, and a number of like a hundred different um, uh, contestants joined uh, joined this to find out ways to tokenize and to think about um, approaches for tokenizing sovereign debt in Italy. And Algorand was one of the, I think, 14 winners of this prize. So they're moving forward with a pilot on sovereign debt tokenization. Here's a question from Bandit8899 on YouTube. Can you please name any widely used app built on top of Algorand? I guess that's a broad question uh, that we could ask about any in the Web3 space. But what are the apps that you look at that you find interesting? So in our DeFi space, you know, when I started, we had a number of, you know, we had sort of like, 
I don't know, six total protocol applications built on Algorand. And then, but now we we have so many different kinds of protocols building in DeFi, for example. One of the most important ones, and I would say one of the most widely used ones is called Folks Finance. And Folks Finance also participates in our governance. And so you can participate in governance and get some more juice through Folks Finance um, um, uh, participating there. We also have um, a pro lots of protocols in the art and music space, for example. I talked on the I talked about these a couple of days ago. So we have uh, music licensing apps, um, uh, ways to monetize music royalties through an Oculus app, which is launching this week, a licensing app called Dequency. We've got a lot going on in prop tech. One of the most interesting ones I think is called um, Lofty AI, where they um, they take a rental, they, they, you know, it's very interesting because they form DAOs around rental properties. And then these DAOs vote on how to, um, how to uh, run these properties. They've even fired a property manager uh, yeah. in one instance. And, um, and they collect these rental incomes. And of course, because it's Web3, you can do this. You can take daily, um, uh, you get your revenue daily instead of, uh, you know, monthly or yearly as you would for a, a regular property, a rental property owner. That's pretty interesting. There's another one in the prop tech uh, uh, space that allows homeowners to to um, sell equity in their home on the blockchain, so you don't have to refinance your home. You can um, you can um, share your equity and share your upside with other investors. So a lot of this stuff, like around asset tokenization, is uh, is pretty interesting. Uh, we're doing a, a bunch of stuff in the disaster recovery um, space, uh, payments in disaster recovery. I think that is maybe not one to talk about being widely used because it's it, we're really in early days now. They've only downloaded like a thousand wallets so far, but pretty interesting pilots going on all over the all over the world around that. Um, but our NFT marketplaces are, you know, Rand Gallery. We're just like, we're just seeing, you know, and the my, my uncle hack did set us back on some of these things, but um, we're just seeing such a vibrant level of activity on, around all of these things. Here's a question from Pickup Debate on YouTube. Uh, with the new CMO being onboarded a few months ago, can you speak to any of the new initiatives or strategies for marketing specifically to attract developers and startups? Great question. Yeah, 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 100%. So we did, we got a new uh, CMO from, uh, she was the head of brand for WhatsApp. And she came uh, this year, spent about a year uh, trying to trying to uh, find, find a good person. And she is uh, very focused on a couple of different things. Things. Number one is our brand identity and making sure that we show up in both Web3 and in Web2 in a consistent way that with a value proposition that is very easily understood and that accurately describes our tech, our ecosystem, our value proposition. Number two is we have developed this year the um, uh, Algo Kit, which is a developer toolkit. So we've done a lot of promoting of this Algo Kit and that now has is a set of tooling, but by the end of the year, it will be... Um, really a kind of a fully Python enabled um, developer suite. And so we're gonna have a big um, a big launch, you know, going on throughout the year to the final launch of that, I think in, in, in January that will be done. So that's a really important thing. The third piece I think is a lot more marketing and marketing help for um, protocols that are building on Algorand. So we wanna really be side by side with you helping you if you're if you're doing well on Algorand, helping you make sure that you can tell your story. That's also a really important thing that they're they're up to. Um, consolidation of websites and making sure that we show up again in searches in a better way than we are right now. All of these things are, um, you know, we just haven't been, we didn't pay enough attention to marketing before. And I think we thought that 
you know, the tech was so good that the tech would speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, now we really have to pay uh, much more attention to it. Great conversation uh, here today. We've covered a tremendous amount of ground. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners and viewers with. Um, the only thing I will say is uh, the acronym that you said in Italy. Now, I'm not sure what the acronym was. So it may not have been about the artists. It may have been one of the number of things that Algorand Labs is doing in Italy. So I, I want to just take- was. I think it was S-I-A-E. Okay. I'm looking at the Algorand uh, website uh, and it is uh, described as, let's see if we can find it. Uh, authors' rights as digital assets managed on okay. the Algorand blockchain. So I okay, think that's great. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. Because I, I took a guess at the acronym, and I wanted to, I, you know, I don't like to be wrong about these things. But so yes, that was one of the early early projects, an important project when we when we first got going. Um, so I guess I would just leave your audience with a couple of, of of thoughts. You know, we are a young ecosystem. We are uh, very. We're not focused on the hype. We're focused on our community and we're focused on our developers and we're focused on our protocols and we're focused on kind of a a bottoms up strategy, which is supporting our ecosystem and our community and also a top down strategy, which is where we try to find these partnerships that Algorand Labs is doing now with the Central Bank of Italy, which we're what we're doing with disaster relief and other partnerships across the board like that. So I guess we kind of feel like if we can, we can, the sweet spot is if we meet in the middle and, and uh, you know, that's where the magic will happen. Stacey Warden, thanks for joining us on the show. Pleasure having you. Hopefully you can come back again and give us an update on what's happening in the Algorand ecosystem. I'll do that and I'll try to stay the whole time. I won't uh, I won't uh, leave you for, for five minutes in the middle. That's the beauty thanks, of Thanks, Ash, and thank you for your patience. I, I appreciate your kindness. Thanks again for joining us. That's it for today. Remember to sign up for Real Vision Crypto. It's free. Uh, go to the Real Vision website, realvision.com forward slash crypto. That's realvision.com forward slash crypto. We'll be back again tomorrow with Ram Aluwalia, co-founder of Lumida. Make sure to join us live. See you at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, or 5 p.m. in London. Thanks again for watching, everybody. Have a great afternoon. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.